things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do several times a week over the digital airwaves of YouTube, the Stephen A. Smith Show, live in a living color, always loving it. I say live because I like to say live even when I'm not live. Okay, get over it. We're here in studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Now, in case you didn't know, but you should know, you know I pride myself on being a straight shooter. In fact, it is the name of my New York Times bestselling memoir so whenever I have an opportunity to talk to others who aren't afraid to speak their minds, whether it's a guest who is on the conservative or the liberal side of the political aisle, I'm always willing to listen. That doesn't mean I'll always agree. I believe that we get nowhere in this country. And I've said that many times. We get nowhere if we aren't willing to talk to one another and talk about what we believe and feel. That's why I've had a myriad of individuals on this very show, this very platform. One of my favorite guests was HBO real-time host Bill Maher, who visited the show to dissect the problems with both the Democratic and the Republican parties, as only he can. I've chatted with distinguished professor and prominent media personality, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, who has taught at some of the nation's most prestigious universities, including Princeton, Brown, and Georgetown. He expressed his feelings on cancer culture and a need for second chances. When I chatted with comedian and podcast pioneer Adam Carolla, he posed the question of whether liberals and conservatives really could live in separate parts of the nation. News Nation host and a friend of mine, the one and only Chris Cuomo, stopped by to share his thoughts on how to beat Donald Trump, what Governor DeSantis' path should be to secure the GOP nomination, and the absurd qualifications one must have to become president of the United States of America. Finally, I spoke with conservative talk show host Clay Travis on his decision to take over the biggest radio show in the country after the death of Rush Limbaugh and being a First Amendment absolutist. Let's listen to these controversial talkers, some would say. I don't really need anything. I do this because I love it. There's no better job in the world, I think, than the one I have it, which is, uh, and, and it's also because I feel like I sort of have the field to myself these days. Everybody is either so in one camp or the other that there is this thirst for mm -hmm. someone who can just talk common sense down the middle, middle about political matters. Um, and you're right. I will call out the left and the right. I always have. I just call out the left more these days because they went crazier in the last five years. Mm. You know, it's interesting because I, I was getting ready to bring up what, what do you love about it so much? But I want to get to that for a quick second. Some people would say the right is crazier than the left. But you, a leftist in a lot of people's eyes, would say the opposite. You feel like the left has lost their damn mind over the last five years or so. 
Be specific about that. How do you feel the left has lost its mind? Why do you say that? Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> the right is still more crazy than the left. I never said they weren't. Okay. Uh, okay. No, as long as they don't believe in democracy and they don't believe in the emergency of climate change, uh, they will never get me to join their team, although they certainly try. But the left certainly has has gone too far with socialism, cancel culture, too sensitive, um, too much indoctrinating uh, children with uh, concepts of race and sexual matters that they are unprepared and too young to understand. Um, all that kind of stuff, I think, is what makes people pause when they go into the voting booth. I mean, the Democrats did well in the last election, mostly because, as we were just saying, the right is scarier. I mean, the American people, I would never accuse them of being terribly sharp politically, but they did get it, that the one thing we should cling to is that we are a democracy. And one party ran on a platform of, we don't believe in elections. They ran on a platform of, I lost, that can't be right. And that is not the way you can run a railroad. But Bill, what about the notion that some people on the right, this is what some people on the right would say, you know, when you support somebody like a Donald Trump, for example, or what have you, it wasn't so much about him, Stephen. It's about Washington and the cesspool that it is. We're sick of it. We're sick of it. And finally, somebody was willing to speak out against that cesspool that exists in the nation's capital. Now, my attitude is Bill Maher's been doing that for decades. You didn't need somebody like Trump to come along and try to do that. But in, in their eyes, somebody like him, that's the reason they gravitated towards him. What do you say to that? Well, yes, I understand that. Uh, I always say this about Trump, a couple of things. One, you can hate him, but you can't hate everybody who likes him. It's half the country. Mm -hmm. I also understand why people vote for Donald Trump because of that stuff I was just mentioning, because the democratic issues are a little more abstract to the average Joe. You know, Donald Trump was impeached twice. He deserved it twice. What he did with Ukraine yes, did. was completely impeachable. Certainly trying to undo an election is completely impeachable, but those things are rather distant to people's lives. But when you're talking about your kids coming home and saying, mommy, am I a racist? And you're four. <laughs> Do you even know what the word means? I don't know, mommy. They, you know, they divided the class this week into oppressors and oppressees. Uh, you know, this kind of stuff. Or am I a boy or a girl? Do I get to choose? Again, you're five years old. Could we wait on this stuff a little bit? That kind of stuff is right in your home. So it, given that choice, I do understand why people sometimes pull the lever for a guy as loathsome as Donald Trump. I think the biggest misunderstanding about Trump, this is what I've heard from people who vote for him and who like him. Some of them do like him, but I've heard people say to me more than one time, what you don't understand is we don't like him either. We don't like mm -hmm. him, but we are still going to vote for him because the other side scares us more. I think that's really important to remember. I don't miss New Rules, uh, okay? One of, one of the greatest you. segments in the history of television, as far as I'm concerned, because it's always poignant. And I remember one time, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, you were talking about the extremes are on the corners, on, a, on the edges, like 
five to seven percent. They talk about people that are just crazy on the right and crazy on the left, and the rest of us are in the middle. Right. But that's who the folks, that's who the nation hears, and that's who folks are capitulating to. So where, where's the end game? How does that get resolved, Bill Maher? I don't, I don't know how it gets resolved, but but that is epitomized by what we just saw happening in Congress. Twenty Republicans. I was getting ready to go there. Stopped. Yeah, stopped a Republican who who already is very, very conservative. Kevin McCarthy is already a far right (laughs) conservative, and he wasn't good enough for 20 people who held that up and now have a gun to his head. And basically, they don't have a Speaker of the House in Congress. He is there in title only, but they can stop him or get rid of him at the drop of a hat if they don't get their way. Yes, that's the great question that you asked, and I don't know the answer to that. How do you stop the far fringes from from holding the rest of the country hostage? It does seem to be what, when historians look back on our history, if there is one to look back on, they'll have to ask that question and try to solve it. How did we get to this place where we lost the middle? Because we are the majority, I think. I mean, when I talk to people, when people come up to me, yeah, they're always saying, this very thing. And yet when it comes to it, again, they're so intimidated uh, by the fringes that they just capitulate. Are you fearful that the fringes on the left are going to get Trump reelected? Yes, it's certainly possible. Now, I read today when Trump is against DeSantis as a, in a one-on-one in the primaries, DeSantis wins. But if there's a second Republican, say Chris Christie got in the race, then the anti-Trump vote is divided and Trump would be the nominee. Now, whether he is elected, I don't know. I mean, he's certainly a loser, as we know. I mean, he won one election. Really, he pulled an inside straight. I mean, it was really lucky how he won that election. He had everything going for him. Hillary Clinton didn't go to Wisconsin, didn't campaign in Pennsylvania. We know the story. Russia got involved. Yes, they did. I know people think that's a hoax. It's not a hoax. They were involved. Everything broke right for Donald Trump. He is a lucky guy. We got to admit that. I don't think that's going to happen again, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't admit when he loses anyway. So, (laughs) you know, this this is my great worry about the 2024 election if he is the nominee, because trust me, on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2025, he's going to show up. I am an opponent of cancel culture. I find it abhorrent. You know, people make mistakes, whether it's a white person doing something, you're going to cancel them like one time they're done, like over or some guy who said something at 13. Now he's a ball player yes. getting drafted at 21. Or comedians that said something 20, 25 years Come ago. On, bro. And suddenly they don't have a career now because it's of what nuts. they did in 1998. Come on. And let me jump into the, I know this is, you know, a little controversial, but you are Stephen A. Smith. What am I talking about? (laughs) Ime Adoka is being considered for coach at the Nets. And I just saw on your station arguments about, you know, some of the women saying, you know, is there accountability? And I was proud of Richard Jefferson and and Perk and said, I think being suspended for a year is pretty friggin' accountable. I think losing your money is accountable. Look, I believe that we should own up to our deficits our deficiencies, our faults and failures. And yes, people should be held to account. 
but they should also be given second chances. This rush to dispose of human beings and to get rid of them. And I'll give you even a better example. Pharrell, our good friend Pharrell, called me up because he's from Virginia. He says, Mm -hmm. Doc, these black politicians want to talk to you because the governor is wearing a war white face over here, black face, I'm sorry. And they want to know, should they go against him? I met with them. I said, hell no. They said, wow, Doc, we expect you to do something different. I said, let me tell you what. Nothing better than a white guy who's conscious of the fact he's been forgiven of a particular, quote, flaw or sin. He might turn out to be Abraham Lincoln. What did that white governor do? Governor Northam? He freed 10,000 people. Well, he didn't free them. He restored their voting rights act, a disproportionate number of whom the former prisoners were black. He he took down the statue of Robert E. Lee. He dealt with the health care uh, bills and needs of black women. He was incredible because he felt that he had received a gift of a second chance. This is what I come from. I'm an ordained Baptist minister. I believe in second chances. I believe in people messing up, then fessing up and dressing up and doing the right thing. So no, I'm not one of these. Let's cut them out. Let's destroy them. Let's let's kill my enemies. No, let's convert them. Let's talk to them. Let's engage them. Even if we ultimately disagree, let's treat each other like human beings. I get where you're coming from. I guess the ultimate concern would be, do you ever believe that there's going to be a return to some semblance of normalcy? Because you do get the impression at times when you see some of the things that are going on, both extremes, right and left, that we'll never get back. To normalcy. It's to the extreme and it's never going back there. That's my lone fear. What about you? Yeah, I, I do. You know, people say to me because I'm, I'm a bit of a prognosticator, you know, where where's this society going? And I say half the country's going to a safe space and the other half's going to an octagon, meaning we're just going to break it off. Uh, you know, the people that think normally are just going to leave California and they'll go to Florida or Texas or Nevada, and then they'll be surrounded with a bunch of like-minded people. And the people who think like Californians will flock to California, although it's not going to work out. Um, But I I think ultimately we're just going to kind of separate off, which is not what people want, but on the other hand, why not? Like, if you think in a conservative way, then why not just move to Florida and be surrounded by other people who think like you think? Right. Good point. Let me transition to your book. Everything reminds me of something. That's the title of it. Your latest book, you riff on everything from Hollywood to the economy to the president by answering questions from fans and famous friends. How did you come up with that premise? I always said, had the title in my head of written five or six books. And I always had the title of everything reminds me of something because every time someone brings something up, I can barely answer the question because it reminds me of some other story or some metaphor or some event. You're probably wired that way as well. So the title, the title was pretty easy. Um, You know, when you write a book, you know, this, you, you sit down and you talk about things you want to talk about because you're, it's your book. You're, you're going, here's what I'm interested in. Here's what motivates me. Here's stories, anecdotes from my life, so on and so forth, or jokes or ideas. If you ever have a book where somebody asks you a question and forces you to answer it, you have to go, I've never thought of that before. Mm. I never. And, and now you're kind of forced outside your comfort zone, which is, you know, somebody just one of the questions in the book is, 
in this day and age of progressiveness and women outworking and all, all, all the progress we've made, how come every time you see a couple on a motorcycle, the man is still holding the handlebars and the woman's still on the back in 2023? Why is that? Wow. And I thought to myself, man, I've never thought about that. Never thought about it. But he's right. It, it's the same configuration as it was in 1965 in 2023, right? Yeah. And That's I true. thought, what? what is that? And so I came up with an answer, which I can share with you. But what I'm saying is, is when other people are asking the questions, it does force you to think about stuff you've never thought about before. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? You know, a few years ago, January 6th, to this, you still can't stop them. What does that say about where we are right now in the state affairs that, that that's taking place in America as we speak, Chris Cuomo? We're in a period of change. A lot of this stuff was unanticipated. You know, it's interesting. A felon, a convicted felon can't vote, but it could be president. <laughs> because, the you know, the qualifications for president is laid out in, in um, Article 2 of the U.S. Constitution are pretty basic. Really, it's just about age and naturalization. Right. And having lived in this the country, I think, for 14 years, or 10 14 years, years 35 years of age. So in the US that's that's all it is. Um, and so if you're indicted, you can run. Yeah. If you're indicted and convicted, can you run? Yeah. If you're indicted and convicted and serving time, you can run uh, legally. Yeah, probably. It's never been tested. Um, well, what does that tell you? It tells you that we are in a weird place, but you shouldn't look for the law to become a political remedy. And we are divided and we are forgetting what is supposed to win in America. We're going through a period of where harshness is seen and negativity are seen as proxies for insight and strength. What's supposed to win is the better idea. The reason I don't find former President Trump so intimidating as a political figure is because I think he's incredibly easy to beat with a better idea. I am shocked by Florida Governor DeSantis's posture thus far. Right. The book bullshit and this other stuff. It's his path to victory is a no brainer. I hold all the same positions that Trump does. And by the way, even more because I'm a real conservative and I don't know what he is. But more importantly, I'm not him. I'm decent. I'm a family man. And I believe in these things because I want to make us better. I don't want to divide people. I want to bring people together. I'm Ronald Reagan. I'm not Trump. That's your path. Republicans are desperate for that. America, arguably, yeah. is desperate for someone who can cut through left and right to reasonable. And he's not doing that. He's trying to beat Trump at his own game in terms of divisive politics. Yes. But he's making a mistake because if you want to play his game, then you're going to have to play him directly. Well, not just that. Not, not want to go toe to toe with him. Not just that, Chris. You got to be consistent because say what you want about Trump, even with the lies, it's consistent. Even with the character issues, it's consistent. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. And I'm like, you can't be a hawk about national defense 
and a presence and, you know, in regards to foreign affairs, but then turn around and take a nationalistic approach talking about how, you know, the, the war in Ukraine is not a vital of, of a vital interest to the United States of America. It's inconsistent with what he has said in the past. You can yep. say that. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's going to tell you that since Trump, they'll say he lied, but everything they point to, they say he's consistently done that. I'll give you a little uh, insider tip about how politics works that breaks through the idea of uh, that could be true or this could be true. OK, so how do we determine whether or not uh, this is going to wind up being good for Trump or bad for Trump? OK, uh, pressure and momentum, consistency and constancy. What will wind up winning a political messaging contest, OK, is momentum because the media Okay, this idea of media is lefty, media is lefty. Okay, the media, I would argue, was set up to be left. It's set to fight for the people who are powerless. It's fight to, you know, it's it's set up to do things for the disenfranchised, to give voice to the voiceless. So very often you're going to wind up in opposition to power, but put that to the side. The media loves ratings and you buy and click and watch. That's what we need so we can stay in business. And that means we'll go wherever the story goes. So momentum, number one. Okay, which means that this thing is being said. That's why Trump repeats everything so often, because the more you say it, the more true it is. People keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. He had a great three step dance he used to do with this that I used to call lie, defy and deny. He used to say, you know, a lot of people say that I uh, shouldn't have been arrested. You know, very easily you could say that this arrest was really wrong. I mean, let's be honest. Arrest was crazy. This was crazy. What just happened? Just crazy. So he went from posing it as a question that wasn't his to all of a sudden owning it as a position. And it seemed like it was a strategic proof. Momentum. Then uh, you go to the next phase, which is consistency and constancy, which is that this is all people keep talking about. And it starts to become the narrative of what is making a basis of decision for people. Mm. And now, instead of it being this binary proposition, uh, well, they can see it this way, they can see it that way. They're not hearing about it this way. Mm -hmm. They're only hearing it this way and policed this way and judged this way. So that's how you wind up into a situation where what could have gone either way winds up being decidedly one way in a political context. I applaud you if you're someone who tries to shoulder the load when assigned a project, who likes to take the lead and do things your way. But let me remind you of the old saying, there is no I in team. And in today's world with high competition out there for businesses, you need a team. But there is an I in Indeed. And when you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place with powerful tools to help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that you can reach out directly to those top candidates it identifies for you. And candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. That's why more than three million businesses rely on the power of Indeed. Start hiring now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash SAS. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash SAS. Just go to Indeed.com slash SAS and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash SAS. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need. 
Indeed. I would ask you, is that did that play a role? Meaning the freedom to just say whatever it is that you want to say without having to worry too much about repercussions in a lot of people's eyes. Is that the number one reason you took this job? I think you can't be successful unless you believe you can say exactly what you think. And I bet you would agree with this. Authenticity, yeah. I think, is the single most important thing in our business today. You may not agree with everything, but you have to believe that the person who's talking to you is to being as truthful as he can or she can on a day-to-day basis. So the reason why, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I was doing early morning radio, and I know you, you've had some experience with early morning radio. Yes. Oh, Lord. Um, yes, I, uh, I was getting up every morning at 4.15, 4.30 a.m. I was live mm-hmm. solo 6 to 9 a.m. East Coast every day. Uh, and when COVID happened, I didn't take any days off. March, April, May, June of 2020, my audience skyrocketed. And, uh, and Julie came to me after the late, great Rush Limbaugh passed, and she said, as much influence as you can have with this morning sports talk radio show, and you're doing great, you can do it for years and years to come. I am offering you the opportunity to take over the biggest radio show in the country. Most people would crawl on their hands and knees for this opportunity. Uh, you are unsure because I loved what I was doing already. And one side of life lesson I have, Stephen A., is don't mess with half. If you love what you're doing, don't be uh, you know, constantly chasing something else. I'm very okay. happy. But the opportunity, I, like I mentioned my three boys, I started to think about the things that matter. It's great. I, I wish my Tennessee Titans one day would win the Super Bowl. I know you probably wish <laughs> at some point that your beloved Knicks would win another NBA title. Yes. But our yes. lives are not going to change if our favored teams win a championship. We're still going to show mm-hmm. up the next day and talk about it. Whether or not schools were open during COVID, that matter. Whether my kids mm-hmm. are able to live in an America where they have tremendous opportunity and can hopefully, like everybody, every parent out there, I want them to be able to do more and have more success than I have, just like my own parents did. That matters. Mm-hmm. And that plus the freedom to say whatever I wanted on any topic was why I ultimately couldn't say no to it. You're in a position to get away with some things that other people can't. If they tried saying something like that, they can't pull that off, Clay Travis. Well, have you have you developed any sensitivity to, to acknowledging that reality? Oh, I mean, I think you just have to go through the fire. People try to cancel you all the time. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you remember this? I'm seeing this clip. I went on CNN, right. uh, and I was defending Jamel Hill's uh, First Amendment rights, by the way, when it was controversial. I like mm-hmm. Jamel. I think she's smart. I think. We, uh, but she's made some decisions that I would disagree with. But I believe she should be able to say everything under the sun. I'm a, I she's said, a friend of mine. She's a friend of mine. Yes. And I would respect I respect her ability to say whatever she believes. Right. I was defending her on CNN, actually, when this thing blew up, told my wife, hey, we're going to take the boys out for pizza. I just got to do this quick interview with CNN Friday afternoon. Let's just give me five minutes. We're going to be good to go. I said on that show uh, with Brooke Baldwin was hosting. She said, you know, I said, I only believe in two things 100%. I've been saying it on my radio. I've been writing on my columns for years. I said, only two things that have never let me down. The First Amendment and boobs, right? So they never said, let me What was that second one? Boobs. Oh. B-O-O-B-S. She no. spelled that. I oh said, look, Lord. I'm a heterosexual man. Right. And cleavage has never let me down. I'm not going to. And she was outraged, right, that I would say that. Now, to be fair, I, I would have been saying that because if you say you're a First Amendment absolutist, a lot of people don't really understand what that means. Right? Explain it. What does it mean to you? Yeah. So I'm like, I believe in the 100% in the marketplace of ideas. 
And, you know, in the Hugh Hefner context, right, Playboy back in the day, it was ironic. He died a few weeks later and CNN said he was a hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my wife, the minute that interview was over, because CNN wanted me to apologize, it blew up. It was the number one trending subject in America. They wanted me to apologize. They said I was all these things. Uh, My wife texted me and said, do I need to put the house on the market? I mean, as a literally, when you look down, your wife has just texted you after a television interview. Do I need to put the house on the market? You're like, oh, so much for that pizza with the kids, right? Right. Um, But the reason why I believe I can say what I have said and continue to say is because I don't apologize, right? Because I believe that when people demand that you apologize, that's not a good faith effort. I've been married almost 20 years, Stephen A., I apologize all the time or I would not have stayed married, right? That's right. I was getting ready to go there. I was getting ready to say, don't lie to don't lie to my audience and act like you didn't apologize. You're married. You damn sure apologize to your wife. Hey, you can argue that my entire marriage is just one long, (laughs) right? Right. Uh, So I'm not saying I don't apologize. But when people are coming at you and demanding that you apologize, I think it's BS because it's not good faith. What they want to do is diminish you and attack you and delegitimize you. And your audience, and, and I mean your audience, my audience, everybody's audience, mm-hmm. when you take a knee, when you bend the knee and apologize for something that you have been saying for years, they know that you are dishonest and they won't have their your back anymore. And I'll give you a great line. Okay. Charles Barkley is a great dude who's come through, right? Charles Barkley can say anything, right? Okay. Charles Barkley, this friend of mine, he told me years ago, he said, Clay, if you worry about the people who don't like you, then the people who do like you won't like you anymore. And I think that's so perfect in this social media age because there's a lot of people who are constantly cowering. They're fearful. They're afraid of saying what they really believe. And when that occurs, they can smell that weakness. It's like a shark with blood in the water. Mm-hmm. They will come and they will take you. Look, and the thing is, if people come after me, I go back just as hard. And I think there's a fear sometimes because people get used to like that kind of cowering and being in a, in a curled up fetal position. That's not me. To me, cancel culture is the difference between I disagree with you and here's why. That is not cancel culture. That's the First Amendment. That's the marketplace of ideas. I wholeheartedly support it. Cancel culture is I disagree with what you said and you no longer deserve to be able to make a living doing what you do. Yes. Oh, yes. Cancel culture. We, and that, by the way, we agree. Whether you're in media like us, or whether you are, uh, you know, just some random person who goes on Facebook and posts something, and you are an employee, and all of a sudden you can't do your job anymore. Um, I think we should have real conversations. Um, mm-hmm. But I am opposed, and I was consistent. That's the argument I was making at CNN when everybody tried to cancel me. Um, mm-hmm. I was comparing Jamel Hill. And her opinions on Donald Trump, she called him, uh, you know, a, a white supremacist, I think. And I said, look, I think she should be able to say that. But I similarly think that Kurt Schilling, who now works at OutKick, but that he should be able to say, hey, I don't agree with this transgender agenda, and particular when they're doing it off the air, right? I think that you should be able to share opinions. It's different if you're broadcasting it on FS1, by the way, or ESPN. Nobody who ever watched my sports gambling show had any idea what I thought about politics, right? They're just there to say, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to win the NBA? So in other words, if somebody says something off camera, and that's how they feel, 
Okay, but they were saying it off camera. They shouldn't be prevented from working on camera about something totally unrelated to what they said. That's what your belief is. That's my belief. And by the way, I think that Kurt Schilling's opinion on who the starting pitcher should be in the World Series is impacted by what he thinks about the transgender agenda. Or if you think that Jamel's opinion on who the best quarterback in the NFL is impacted by what she thinks about Trump, I would agree with that. And I would say both should be entitled to the full-fledged opinions of their lives, both public and private. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Stephen A. Smith Show, Controversial Talkers. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button, by the way. You know I appreciate that. And please let me know which controversial talker you'd like me to invite back on on a future episode. Take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.